Good morning, evening, and afternoon, people who for some reason listen to us go on and on. Welcome to Supercast Brothers. I'm Xantok, otherwise known as Lister. That's Kirby? Uh, it's Jono. Hey, it's Otherwise known me. as Jonathan. My yep. eternal tormentor and co-host here. Yep, his keeper, per se. Great, great. So, yep. hey, look! Our first Smashtopia of year two. Uh, just like for our first on topic, we decided that this whole first act was going to be a little bit different. Not too different, though. Uh, we're not doing a character. Uh, there was one episode last season where we decided to do an assist trophy extravaganza, or Palooza, I don't remember what we called it. I think it was extravaganza. extravaganza this time yeah. around, we're doing something similar. Not assist trophies, though. Instead, this is going to be our stages showcase. We have a fuck ton. Of stages that we have created to talk about in today's episode. We're not going to get through them all. There's just no goddamn way. Maybe we'll get through half? No. Which is... Hopefully. I mean, and we got through half of our assist trophies. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember how many you planned. I think you planned 40. I planned 50. And we got through 25 each. Which is pretty damn yeah. good. This time around, we each have 20 stages that we designed for you all. And maybe we'll get through five. Don't know. We'll see. Uh, so how we're going to be going about this is we have drawings of our stages. We also have our written down details. We're going to be going over all of that. Uh, for those of you who are listening to the audio version of the podcast, we'll be describing things as well. So don't worry about that. You don't have to rely on seeing the video to understand what the stages look like. If it helps, but you don't have to watch. That said, you missed out on Jono's visual gags, which honestly, just, just, just listen to the audio. Now that I think about it, just, just listen to the audio oh boy what 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 is why do you have a totoro stick when i hit you with it it turns you into totoro do i still have to pay bills no or taxes nope do i have to go to work yeah just have to help children get through the their mother's cancer diagnosis about once a year Shit, I'm in. Okay. All right. Awesome. Ow. What? <laughs> it's Totoro, my childhood friend. I don't have an umbrella <laughs> or I would wave one around right now. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, that's what we're doing today. It's going to be fun and interesting. Jono, yeah. how do we want to start this off? Okay. So, uh... We're going to start this off by actually having a bit of a flashback <gasps> Friday, throwback Tuesday kind of moment here. And uh, I'm going to start with the stage that I barely talked about at the end of our mystery submission Smashtopia oh, oh, oh. in year one. Also known as, non-generically enough, the Mountain Village, my ice climber stage for polar bear. The Mountain Village, you say? Oh, yeah. Tell me more. What's the state about? Um, so, so far in Smash Brothers, we've had Icicle Mountain in Melee. We've mm -hmm. had Summit in Brawl, and Summit has been recurring since. But in my Smashtopia world, the next step of it all is going down the summit, going down the mountain, and seeing what's at the base of the mountain. 
it could have been called Mountain Base just as well, but I decided to call it Mountain Village because that's the primary backdrop. You're seeing a village where things get to work, and maybe Popo and Nana kind of stop by there on their way up Icicle Mountain in the original game. So uh, at the base of Icicle Mountain, uh, it's where polar bears and topies and nitpickers and condors alike live in harmony. And nitpickers are the uh, the red and white birds from Ice Climber. Don't remember them, but they're, all right. Yeah, yeah, they're they're kind of the odd child out. No one ever really talks about them, but they're here. Um, so it features, as I wrote down in my note here, picturesque landscapes with ice-built hovels decorating the miles of snow in front of the mountain. Anyway, if you watch the background closely, you'll see the ice climbers' enemies like the polar bears and the nitpickers or the topies, co-mingling. So polar bears are clanking colas together at their local diner. Nitpickers are feeding their young and nests below snowy, snowy polar lines, like phone mm -hmm. lines, with a condor perched on top. And topies gleefully skate throughout the village square. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, shall I go on? Oh, yes, please. Tell me more, but what's, oh. what's, what's the layout of the stage like? I've got the image pulled up here for our viewers. Sweet. So, um, the layout of the stage is basically... Most of the stage is ice. And, naturally. And snow. Yep, naturally, naturally. Um, so fighters do get out in a stretch of ice and snow, uh, set out some yards away from the village itself. So there's an igloo set in the background just to the left of the stage's center, uh, and that's kind of the closest fixture that lies outside of the foreground. So a polar bear lives lives there, a couple of polar bears live there, and they can sometimes be seen playing cards or enjoying a meal. Uh, cola and fish, if you were wondering, uh, right outside of their home or observing and even cheering on the fighters. Uh, occasionally, there's going to be some stationary wooden platforms, and they'll descend onto the stage. So, uh, similarly to, say, a Pokemon League stage or something where you'll see a couple platforms come down like that. Of course. Uh, yeah, just, just they descend. And uh, so they offer more options for fighting space. And those are, again, made of wood, so they don't offer the same slipping um, lack of traction effect that the icy, snowy ground does. Um, and they bear an appearance similar to the Icicle Mountain um cuts of wood that appeared and kind of floated in midair. Um, they're especially useful spoiler alert because there's a couple hazards on this stage when a nitpicker or topi comes whirling onto the stage. Oh. Uh, yeah. And then kind of to the left of the stage main ground area with the ice and snow is a pool of arctic water um, and it eventually you know you don't see it but it diverges into the sea that away. Um so swimming in that for too long is ill-advised because it's so frigid that most of the characters can't stand it for long without being damaged. Um, with exception to characters like Polar Bear or Ice Climbers or... Uh, Diver. Vanilla. Yeah, Diver. Diver's a good option, yeah. Or Vanillux, for instance, being an ice Pokemon. True. Um, who's, on, who's on this Mastopia. Um, if people are wondering about what was like, why the hell did Jono just mention Vanillix of all characters? Or the diver from Endless Ocean. Because they're both characters that I put up on the wiki because I'm a strange, precious little boy. It's true. Um, yeah. 
Um, then there's broken slabs of ice, though, and they'll break off from the mainland and eventually regenerate. It doesn't take away too much. Um, and they'll drift out in and out of the water, and those offer extra platforms for fighters. Uh, I would just say be careful about staying on them for long, though, uh, because they have potential to sink. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's pretty much the layout. Shall I tell you a little bit about the hazards on the stage? Please do. Okay, so there's two hazards. I don't know why I held up four fingers. There's two hazards. Uh, number one is the nitpicker, the orange and, and white bird, or the red and white bird if I'm colorblind, which may be a possibility. Every so often, a nitpicker will come flying across a random part of the stage. So it can be going from right to left or left to right, whatever. Um, just like in the original Ice Clamor game, though, once they're wherever they are, and it's on a, it's basically like a grid, too. So they can appear at the top line of the stage or in the center above the wooden platforms mm -hmm. or just along the ground level, um, moving left or moving right. Uh, but just like an Ice Climber, they just move in a straight line once they're on the stage until they exit from the other side. Uh, being hit by them doesn't offer a whole lot of damage, but uh, if you hit them hard enough to knock them out, it's like you get a few you get a few points in the game that kind of translates and smash into that may drop an item. Okay, not bad. Yeah. And then topies, um, again, American version topies because the Japanese topies are just seals and we don't condone clubbing them. We do not. We only condone clubbing Mario. And yeah. Pikachu and Diddy Kong. Mm-hmm. Huh. Smash Brothers is kind of violent. No, we, we we don't we don't club Kirby. No, Kirby clubs <laughs> us. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, that sound effect for the audio listeners at home was me throwing Kirby. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> regardless, the Yeti style Tobies. And they'll sometimes populate the stage, too. Uh, they're less likely to spawn the nit nitpickers, not to necessarily say that they're unlikely to appear. Uh, just less so. And they operate, again, just as they do an Ice Climber, where they skate forward kind of at a layman's pace, so it's just kind of like... Average. Right. And uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes they'll perform light acrobatics or ballet poses, as a, and sometimes they'll appear in pairs to dance together. Oh, so, yeah, because they pretty much act like they do in Melee and Adventure Mode, except you get that little extra bit of panache by having a couple extra moves they did not prior, priorly have. Right. Um, and again, they offer some meager damage and could give you an item if you knock them out. All right. And that's kind of that. That's kind of that. Uh, last but not least for this stage, I have a few soundtrack numbers going to be interesting considering Ice Climber doesn't have much and we already have two Ice Climber stages on the Snatchtopia wiki so hi odds that there's some crossover here and you know considering Ultimate yeah. lets you play any music on any stage in the same franchise it's not a big deal mm -hmm. that's the, no, that's where that's where I'm getting it from too is that Ultimate offers it so I'm going to take that liberally myself sure. because I did not a whole lot sure. of options here <laughs> When he, when he gets down to Ice Climber, it's like, what the heck else, right? Yeah, um, I mean, I've, I'm pretty sure for one of my stages, I gave them music from the ice hockey game on the NES. It's like, I gotta do something. 
You know what's really funny about that? You did the same track? <laughs> yes. Nuts. <laughs> Nuts. So there's... With Ice Climber, there's only one theme song. Technically, <laughs> there's more options that I can confirm, but, you know, go for it. Yep. Only that one main... I'm, I mean, that one main theme is pretty much, pretty much the only thing that's super prevalent. Mm. Um... So I have the original, and I have the, the remixes from Alien Brawl. Bam. Out of there. I also have the ice hockey main theme, and a thing called the ice hockey G-mix that I ripped off of YouTube. Okay. Uh, that, that, that's another remix, a funky remix of the ice hockey theme. And uh, normally I'm going to try and cap these off at around 5-ish for my track list just for the sake of time on this podcast right but since since this is pretty pretty pedestrian i'm just gonna say that i also have on here uh 1080 snowboarding a couple tracks from there okay uh, that's interesting yeah yeah the golden forest remix from uh smash ultimate but also a remix of whiteout from 1080 snowboarding and a hip-hop remix of the excitebots theme song excitebots Yes. I guess we're not counting on Excitebot stage appearing in today's episode, then. You may be surprised. I would be, considering you're putting music from them on an Ice Climber stage. But hey, you're a weirdo, so Mm -hmm. who the hell knows? (laughs) Yep, who knows. But that's pretty much my first stage. All right. Well, much like how you just had to start... Polar Bear has a home. Yes, Polar Bear. It's Polar Bear's home stage, too. Uh, much like how you decided to do the home stage for Polar Bear, who was featured in our uh, mystery submissions episode where we picked characters that have zero chance but are theoretically possible, I decided to do the same thing. I have the home stage for our boy the Trapper from Dead by Daylight. <laughs> nice. Uh, this stage is the Macmillan Estate, which is one of the various maps in Dead by Daylight. It has a few different variations of it. Uh, but uh, for this stage, I decided to just have it be... It's just going to look the same, but the background is where it's actually going to have to be rotating around to different areas that you can find in the game. I'm bringing up my notes. Apparently, I forgot to click the right ones. Oops. You know, tends to happen. Okay, so the Macmillan State is a grounded stage, and I've got the image here for you all. It's got a little curve to it with a hill, kind of like how Mario Galaxy's stage is curved. And, uh, oh, right, I need to send it to you. I forgot to do that. My bad. I forgot. That's all good. We, uh, getting, getting video, we're trying to get through the rough patches. We realized right before this, like, oh, shit, we actually don't have a good way to figure out how we're doing all this. Oh, no. Yeah. Oops. So I'm sending you the image right now. Uh, the Macmillan stage, yes, there is. So, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a hilly stage. You know, it's got a nice curve to it, like Mario Galaxy. But unlike Mario Galaxy, there is no funky uh, gravity going on. If you shoot a gun, if you fire somebody, it's just going to be in a straight line because it's just a hill. It's not a planet with altered gravity. It's just a hill. There's also four platforms above it, and these are all looking like the different, the different pallets that you can drop on the killer or vault over in the game to try and help yourself get away. All four of them are breakable. Uh, they'll regenerate mm-hmm. over time because, you know, they're, they're wooden pellets. So of course, they're breakable. That just makes sense. 
look, trying to find the rest of my notes here. Uh, in the background stage, you can see an actual game of Dead by Daylight going on as everything is running around. You can see characters like Claudette Morrill, David King, Zarina Kassir, and they'll be chased by different killers, uh, such as you could see the Hag, you could see the Doctor, you could see the Oni, or the most recent killer that they added, the Blight, who sucks, but maybe the Blight shows up. Uh, you would also be able to hear fun little sound effects like a generator going off, crows um, calling around, the doctor's laugh, the huntress hum humming what her song. Oh, the, the hillbilly's chainsaw ripping up. I'm trying to remember all the different things that are in the game. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of sound effects. Uh, it's, it's really just fairly simple stage. There's no hazards to it. It's just it's got those four platforms on a nice little hill. Obviously, there's walk-offs to either side of it, so be careful. Uh, much like Jono, I have selected a few different uh, tracks from the game. Well, generally, whenever I'm making new stages for Smashtopia, I tend to limit myself to 8 to 12 tracks. And sometimes I'll do less than that, sometimes I'll do more. kind of depends. Third-party games will usually have more. But um, for this one, uh, the ones that I want... I'm only going to be listing out five per stage that are really my main focuses. The ones I wanted to highlight. And for the Macmillan State, I am highlighting the tracks being watched... The Dead by Daylight main theme, Entity Brain, No Place to Hide, and No Will. Uh, whenever these go up on Smashtopia, they'll have links as well, so you can always just click on them there. Yeah. Or if you really want to know what they sound like right now, I mean, just Google Dead by Daylight OST and look for those names. Pretty simple yeah. enough there. Yeah. So uh, That uh, is the next most state. It's a fairly simple stage. Yes, what's your question? So it's, on a, it's a hill, basically, right? The primary platform? Yeah, Lake Mario Galaxy. So it's it's the hill that people die on. Technically, I you're I'm from you mean the phrase, "I'll die on that hill." Yeah, I mean yeah. technically that's. Uh, now that you mention that in the game on a lot of the maps there is a hill, sometimes multiple hills on the same map, and there might be a chest on the hill, or there might be a hook on the hill, or a generator. So people do die on the hills. There was actually a glitch recently where. Uh, if you were running around the base of the hill, there was that one spot where you could get stuck, and you could not get out. You're just stuck there, hoping the killer, hoping you can either somehow wiggle your way out, getting lucky, or the killer decides to show mercy, whack you, and let you crawl away. The hills <laughs> were dangerous for a while there. But that is my first stage, the Macmillan Estate. Very nice. And the hills are alive. I um, And they have eyes. I'm pretty... And they'd also have eyes, and they only have eyes for you. Oh. It's pretty interesting. Um, again, this just the jarring aesthetic of having Dead by Daylight touching the world of Smash. Oh, yeah. Is enough to tickle my heartstrings and, and play a harpsichord of love for my soul that emanates throughout the hills of the Trapper's Den. Okay. Anyway, I guess we're on to my second stage, huh? <laughs> yes, what is the second stage you would like to mention today? Okay, uh, Tadayori's Rest. Tadayori's Rest? What the hell is that? I've never heard of it. It's from Ghost of Tsushima. Oh! Pretty much one of the, P the PS4's first party swan song, as far as I know. With, uh, with PS5 just around the bend. Uh, the latest game that has earned my obsession, essentially... Um, being, in my opinion, a, a better and matured take on kind of the Assassin's Creed formula mm -hmm. with a with a stronger story presentation that takes you back into old samurai and ninja movies from like the 
50s, 60s, 70s, uh, that classic kind of feudal Japanese medieval vibe. Right. So it's pretty cool. Um, and throughout the game, you play as you play on the island of Tsushima, which historically was conquered by the Mongols in the 1800s, or <laughs> not the 1800s. No, I had the no, actually the 1200s, which takes you way back. I was reading another note for another historical thing for later. Nice. Whoops. Yeah. So in, in the 1200s, the early 1200s, the, the Mongols historically take over Tsushima and wipe out all of the samurai. In Ghost of Tsushima, there's a samurai left. A samurai. Only one. The last samurai, pretty if much, you will. Yeah, 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 pretty much, yeah. And it's Jin Sakai. And throughout the game, you play as Jin, liberating the island of Tsushima from the Mongols who've taken it over. And that's the basic premise. Mm-hmm. Um Throughout the game, you know, it's, it's mission-based, like a lot of open-world platformers are, um, action-adventure games, rather. And uh, But some of these missions naturally veer from the main storyline. A lot of them do. And certain missions in Ghost of Tsushima are legendary tales, where there's a musician named Yamato, mm-hmm. and he travels throughout Tsushima. He's basically he's a, he's a Japanese bard, and he tells tall tales about pseudo-historical figures from mythology who may or may not be real. And Jin is sent off on these quests interested in the spoils of these legendary figures uh, wherever they lie, essentially. So Tadayori was a very famous archer in Tsushima's history, and wearing his armor supposedly would grant you extended capabilities when you use the bow okay yeah which uh you know ultimately listening to yamato's tale Jin does find tadiori's armor and it was real and blah, blah. that's pretty much how these legendary tales go i was like oh shit this was a real thing and now i have the armor nice <laughs> or the sword or the whatever yeah so eventually during the quest to find Tadayori's armor, uh, Jin comes upon Tadayori's rest, which is which is his resting place, and that's about the midway point in this quest. Um, and it's there that he duels one of the last of Tadayori's bloodline, who thinks that he's one of the Mongol intruders because there's been a lot of those coming around the hills lately too. Right. Um, and then it was a misunderstanding and blah blah. But it was a striking area. It's very secluded, surrounded by very tall mountainsides and within this circular den there's a well there's a shrine area um that this woman lives in who is tadiori's descendant and just bamboo and tadiori's favorite flowers this guy got around with the flowers because there's violet flowers everywhere on the stage Mm -hmm. that's the entire ground floor violet flowers are springing up so it makes it for a very striking area for for a duel between samurai and that's kind of so it's less so complicated than some stages um layout wise you have the a well in the middle Mm -hmm. which is what that thing is and basically at that center point most of the center most point of the stage 
Um, that well can act as an extra platform as well as it can be temporarily deconstructed. And naturally, you know, you smash into it enough, you hit it enough, it'll break apart. Naturally. Um, yeah. And then Tadiari's home can be seen, that hovel can be seen in the background, but it's not a part of the stage. It's just like off. Um, to the right of the well it are bamboo shoots, a forest of bamboo, just a miniature forest of bamboo. Uh, so that explains like the series of green lines that I expertly drew there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just, um, just yeah. a little bit off. They're uh, so they're 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 a thicket, and being a thicket, they're thick to move through. So when you're working your way through that bamboo, there's going to be a little bit of pushback, but it's not going to dish you out any damage. Right. It's just, it's just a little bit of a texture change, pr pretty much. Um, to the left of the well. That's an incline of rocks leading up a mountainside. Um, and it works as you would expect. You can crawl up those those rock sides. And they're a little bit non-linear. So from a audio standpoint, I'm not quite sure how to explain that other than it's it kind of looks, like looks like a stock chart. It's a rocky cliff. <laughs> yeah, it's a rocky cliff. And that's pretty much the stage. And and believe me that if, if I could design it myself right now as it would look in Smash, it would be beautiful. Oh, of course. It would be just, just kind of imagine it, because this is... What you see is what you get. This this could be Tadiori's breast as well as it could be uh, stuff laying on Grimace's stomach if you view it horizontally. But... But... Oh. It's nice. Okay, so there's no hazards. I just thought that it would be... You know, it's a guy's resting place. It's just, it's pretty historical. It'd be sure. kind of inappropriate for, for there to be Mongols just appearing to attack. Um, I, I do have a question cool. for you, though. Yeah. So, this well, I'm looking at this here, and uh, maybe you mentioned this, I just missed it, but the brown portion on top of the well, is that a platform? Yeah. Can it be broken? Yep. What happens if, can somebody fall in the well after the platform is broken? Yes. Good point. Forgot can, to is is that a death or is there water in there that they can try and swim out of? It's water. Okay. Okay. So they don't immediately die if they fall in the well. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Would have been funny as hell. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh... <laughs> but no. Yeah. That that was a good question. You can also just destroy the entire well for for a period of time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so no hazards. Um, soundtrack includes, uh, shockingly enough, all tracks from Ghost of Tsushima. All of them, including, yeah, Jesus, no, no excite bots here. Oh yeah, but, you know what? With the way SNK treated it, right? But um, I specifically chose out the Tsushima Suites, uh, which are pretty uh, beautiful mm -hmm. traditional Japanese medleys of Tsushima songs. And there's Susima Suites 1 through 5, as well as Tadayori's Rest, of course, because there's a theme for that. Of course. The Way of the Ghost, Jin Sakai's theme, and the end credits from the game. Okay. Specifically are things I chose. And, of course, when they're up on the Smash Jobia wiki, which these notes are also, I filled them out as if I were filling out a wiki page. <laughs> so, <laughs> they can go up pretty much as soon as this episode's up. Huzzah. That's what I'm hoping with mine. Anything I talk yeah. about, I'm going to be uploading them tonight. Nice. Good. 
Okay, well, that's that's Tadayori's rest, though. All right, and I assume that it would be Jin's home state if he were to get into Smash. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. I mean, for all I know, mm -hmm. you could have thrown me a curveball. It's like, oh, this is the main antagonist stage. Oh, no. Nope. Whoever the main antagonist is, I don't know. I don't know the fucking know the game. I know it's a samurai and there's flowers and it's samurais. Yeah. I don't. You have a filter Kochun where you can be Khan. black and white. I don't. Eh. I haven't <laughs> looked at the game at all, really. All um, right. So my second sage. Now, when I was going through my sages, uh, a couple of rules I set for myself were was I didn't want to do more than one stage from the same game. I wanted to have a little bit more variety than that. And since I was making 20, I decided no more than four from any one franchise. So a couple of the franchises that have more stages, I'm going to start off with a few of them. That one, and Pokemon is next. Because, of course, they have multiple Pokemon stages. Are you kidding me? Pokemon! They are actually all from, yeah, they're all from different generations, too. So there's that. Which, with nice. my rules, kind of makes sense. But the first stage I have is actually not from a mainline Pokemon title. This is a Pokemon title that I I kind of have mixed feelings about. I feel like it, it's an interesting idea, but it could have been done better. And that stage, well, actually, we'll say that game first. That stage is Pokemon Tournament. A fighting game for Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I won't really go into my feelings on it right here and there. Actually, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned them in our previous episode of the podcast. There are Pokemon Memories. But this game it has a different lot of different fighting arenas that you can fight that you can have your Pokemon fight on. But there's one that honestly just beats everything else. And uh, I'm gonna be sending you there you go, there's that layout for you. This stage is Magikarp Festival. Honestly, of all the stages in the game, it's the other one that I give a shit about. It's fucking hilarious. Just just look up a quick video to see a match of it, you can see why I think this stage is really cool. You have fishermen that are fishing off the side of it in the middle of a storm. They're bringing Magikarp up onto the stage. There's gigantic golden Magikarp statues. You're on. You're actually on a boat. This stage is a boat. It's in the middle of a Magikarp festival. That's why it's called Magikarp Festival. But uh, it's freaking awesome. I love this. Uh, let me grab that format so I can show everybody. Oh, almost didn't grab the window. There it is. So as you can see, this stage uh, is down the water. Kind of like Mountain Village has a little bit of water. But you're actually on a boat. It rocks a little bit in the waves, but it's not typically that bad. Uh, it's just a whole platform that you can walk on there. Getting the water is just like normal stages with water where don't stay in it too long or you'll drown. But up above, there's also banners. Uh, cheering for different fighters with Magikarp streamers all around them. And there's platforms on the at different heights that you can just stay on the fight on. These aren't really destroyable, but depending on the weather of the stage, the banners might move a little bit. This stage has a storm that will sometimes roll it on the, across the boat, which will make the banners start flying around really wildly. You're going to go waving around, so be careful when you're fighting on them because you might just get flung off. Really not that bad, but aiming your jumping on them is really what I'm trying to get out here. Uh, in the background, you can see Magikarp, you can see Gyarados, you can see a Lapras swimming around. There'll be fishermen bringing Magikarps up onto the stage. Wasn't doing anything. It's just a nice little aesthetic. But it's a it's a fun little stage. It's... God, the music is going to be wild on it. I Honestly, this stage was one of my favorite ideas. Uh, I sent this one to you as a teaser back when we were first doing all these uh, stages and trying to come up with them. And I wanted... I just wanted to do something that was really different, and the Magikarp Festival is just an amazing idea that I had. Uh, there's really not much else to the stage. It's just on a boat, there's water, sometimes storms come in that make the platforms up top wave a little bit. 
Uh, as for the music of this stage, I have several tracks from Pokemon Tournament, but a few from other games. Uh, for Pokemon Tournament, I've got obviously the track Magikarp Festival. Makes perfect sense, it's great. I also have Mystery Carnival, which is a bit of a... I mean, it's a carnival. That 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 yeah. stage is a carnival. Yeah. That's what the track is from. Uh, from Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, I have Mantine Surf as a track. From Pokemon Storm Shield, I have the Tower of Waters from the uh, Isle of Armor DLC. And then from a little mobile game called Magikarp Jump, I have the training <laughs> mode music. Because why not? It's a Magikarp game. I had to throw something in there for it. Uh, as for who this who this stage belongs to as a home stage, it's not Gyarados, it's not Magikarp. I actually decided to give it to Weavile. May not make much sense to have it be Weavile, but I wanted to pick a character that's actually playable in Pokemon Tournament, and Weavile is one that I think would be really cool in Smash, so Ice-type, it just it worked best I could do it. I'm happy with it. What if there were three Magikarps stacked on top of each other and that was the character? Are they wearing a trench coat? Yeah. Do they sell potions? Yeah. That sounds stupid, no. Oh, okay. They have a beard, also. A long beard, like Merlin. I thought yeah. they had whiskers. They have both, yeah. Hmm. Do their banners wave? Yep. Cool, cool. They they have all of the banners. They brought them they brought all of their banners to Winterfell. Oh. That's not a smart yeah. idea. Nope. Okay, so great stage. The aesthetic is great and fun and partially hilarious because it's magic card themed and I enjoy it. Of course. Thank you. Thank you, Derry. You're and now onto my Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Onto my third stage now. Um What is it? Being Tell me, does does this bring anything back to light? Not particularly. Should it? Yeah, it's from your favorite DS game. My favorite mm -hmm. DS game? Yeah. Do I have one? Yeah. It's, it's, it's rather a series. It's kind of like Pokemon where there's different variations of them it's, uh, animals are involved I don't know what you you're get, talking about you, you can bathe them you can walk them, play with them it's not Imagine Babies either where you can do all the same things with a small mammal I don't think I've played a game like this <laughs> Nintendo are you talking about Fire Emblem Fates? <laughs> you said that you could bathe them and pet them. So, I mean... Close enough. There's there's some bathing <laughs> in Ghost of Tsushima as well. Oh, Nintendogs, though. It's Nintendogs. Alright. Tell us about Nintendogs. Why why do, do we need that. another Nintendog stage? We already have a living room. Do you have the picture up for the people? I can in just a moment. Just taking okay. a drink there real quick. Mm -hmm. All mm -hmm. right, so here's your Nintendo stage. It's got a Shiba Inu on it. <laughs> Why? You like that? 
I mean, I don't hate it. I'm just confused. It's just, it's, it's just looking at us. All right, it's really looking off into the distance at something. It's I'm looking really at the sure ground. Fair enough. I guess it's a smart dog because it's where it's walking. Oh. Um, so let me pitch this to you. Okay, go for it. Pitch it. What? Pitch it good. Bring it directly to you. What better than a walk in the park? For a Nintendog, or as I wrote in this note that I'm reading off of, a Nintendo, for a Nintendog, there's nothing better. In the eponymous game series, owners are able to take their dogs to the park for a relaxing walk or run. They might meet other dogs on the way or even receive gifts. In Smash, however, players have been shrunken down to miniature size and fight on top of a giant dog as it walks, runs, and plays throughout the park. They fight on the dog? Yes. Oh, God. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh that's Tourney Band. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, the breed of the dog is determined during the loading process at stage selection. Breeds include Yellow Labrador, Mini Dachshund, Shiba Inu, Chihuahua, or as I call it at home, Chihuahua, Dalmatian, and Golden Poodle. Don't worry, there's more. Sometimes they may even don accessories. From a Mario hat to a pirate hat and eye patch, a snorkel set, and more. And also of note is the stage's night and day cycle, splitting between an autumnal dawn, a springtime morning, a rainy afternoon, and a quiet night. That Shiba Inu can wear a snorkel if you wanted to. Oh boy. Yeah, so why another Nintendog stage? Pretty much because when we're talking about this process, uh, because we've been planning this for like a month probably. Oh, longer. Um, yeah. We had the idea quite a while ago during year one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and yet in some ways we were still underprepared. Um, <laughs> and I said, Anyways. What, what about Nintendogs? And you're like, why Nintendogs? I'm like, I don't know. And that's kind of how we got here. Yeah, you had mentioned of, like, oh, I want to do a stage for every franchise that hasn't, that we haven't had a new stage for on, like, the Smash Tuppy Week. And it's like, so, Nintendogs and, uh, what were some of the other ones? Picto Chat? Uh, fucking, I can't, Electroplankton? Like, how long do you do some of the stages for these games? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And we're just like, oh, I'm going to do it. It's like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here yeah, we go. yeah. It's kind of like when I was writing fiction work more mm -hmm. more stably back in the day, um, when it was my primary kind of source of creative writing output. And during that period of time, I was writing a book called Project Believe in the late 2000s. And you may recall that we injected a few of our fan characters in it from forum times. Well, and you injected a few of our characters, but yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, remember, um, Joseph Novolo and the time that you said, how are we going to put him in unless he's the mayor of Believe Town? And I was like, great idea. And you're like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically that, but in Smashtopia. Yeah. Also, I'm rewriting Project Believe, so people should look forward to that. You've been rewriting uh, it for three years. 
three years. I think I was close. I think it may have been seven years. I've been, it's, I've been on and off for seven years with that. Yeah. 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 It's difficult. What, what's when you, Smash when fanfic coming out? I don't know. You can, you can, I can ask you that as well as me, right? Well, we never had our meeting that we were supposed to have to talk about it. Let's have it after this show. And by yeah. after this show, I don't mean like immediately after recording. I kind of just mean some day oh, I'll after. Gi- don't worry. I'll give you five minutes to prepare. Okay. Okay. One day, though. One day, though. Seriously. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. I don't want to keep saying one day because then it feels like somebody's fiance that they've been with for like five years. You know, oh, one day we'll have but, a Plus, uh, we're already not going to get through all these stages, so we need to get through them. <laughs> Less tangents in this one. It's so we don't fun have enough time to talk about everything we want to talk about. Stuff. Yeah. The Nintendog. Back to the stage layout then. Hmm. The Nintendog is the one and only platform available to players throughout the fight. Tourney band. And the exact layout depends on the puppy's breed and whatever accessories that they have on. Tourney band. They may meet other dogs along the way as they sniff each other and play with one another. Fighters will have to keep up with the dogs' movements so that they don't fall off. However, the tertiary dog will be positioned in such a way during play that they will not be able to be used as a platform. So, you know, the dogs playing with other dogs, it won't affect the the stage necessarily. Um, It'll affect the platform, the dog being the platform, but not you can't get on the other dog because it's in the background. I think that that came across semi-lucidly, so we're just going to keep on going along. Uh, This is a one-dog fight and transport unit. So other sights to see include a bevy of trees and grass, a playground full of children and pups, occasional home entrances, and the looming legs and torsos of adults walking by with their own Nintendogs on leashes. So you're walking through a neighborhood and then walking through a park, basically. Right. And the Nintendog never veers from the walking path, so you won't have to worry about that. Um, they stick with the, on the sidewalk, basically, with the owner at all times. And then the road may occasionally be bumpy as they run and play. Uh, but otherwise, it's a smooth wide ride, as smooth as it can be, with the docile pup. And if they find a gift on the road and scratch it open, they may swap accessories on the fly during that same fight. So the layout of the puppy will change. I think I'll be walking to the random stage selection list and clicking remove. Have any questions? <laughs> is are you planning to say that Nintendog is going to be the home stage character for this stage? I have no clue. Maybe there was a time back in the Brawl days when Nintendogs first came out and people were talking about it. It's like, hey, they could put a Nintendo in this. No, they can't. That's animal abuse. And they're like, Duck oh, hunt. what if it's a robotic? What is if? What if it's a robotic Nintendo? Also true. That's robotic Nintendo would be stupid. That's something that I posted on Game FAQs back in the day, and then it got like twenty pages worth of responses. Were people saying it was stupid? They're mostly playing along. I think right. that I made a move that had like pee that could dissolve through furniture and stuff so <laughs> let's just move the so... fuck on away from that why would you mention this no what's your music go god they're all from nintendogs okay Fucking gross. uh from nintendogs walking the dog from nintendogs bath time 
The main theme, shopping, dogs, theme box, beginner and open class medley, expert and master class medley, and also a Nintendogs cart medley where there's the Mario Kart theme, Peach Kart theme, and Bowser Kart theme from Nintendogs all mashed together. Okay. <laughs> Nintendogs is alive and it is vibrant. Right. Kind of surprised they never brought that series back, but, you know, one day. I mean, anyway. I don't know. All right, so for my third stage, uh, I, I mentioned Pokemon. I have multiple Pokemon stages. I actually have three that I made out of this whole bank of 20. Then I have three stages from the entire Mario franchise. One from a mainland title, one from an RPG, and one from a puzzle game. But maybe we'll get to those if we have enough time. We're starting off, though, with the uh, traditional platformer type level. We've seen uh, previous Smash Bros. games will have stages like Mushroom Kingdom. Mushroom Kingdom. Mushroom Kingdom 2. Mushroom Kingdom, you. Well, I am bringing a new stage into that series of lines, and that one is going to be Mushroom Kingdom 3, which apparently I didn't open the file for yet. I thought I had. Oops. Let me just actually do that now. Hey, look, there it is. So Mushroom Kingdom 3, I actually was... I've been sitting on this one for years. Uh, this one has been in my banking areas ever since I started posting on the nice. Smashtopia Wiki in 2017. I have been mm -hmm. wanting to do this one for quite some time, and I took careful, very careful care designing it. You can see it's actually got a nice little fire piranha plant coming out of a warp pipe there. So this stage, it's grounded. It has walk-offs, as you would expect from uh, one of the Mushroom Kingdom type stages. The only one that's actually like that is Mushroom Kingdom U, that I think about it. That one's a little bit different with a whole bunch of shit. But much uh, like how on Mario Mushroom Kingdom 3, or Mushroom Kingdom, Super Mario Bros. 3, which is what this stage is based off of, uh, mm -hmm. We have those platforms that you can kind of like run behind in in uh, in Mushroom in uh, Mario Three, so you can do a little bit of that here in Smash. Uh, it doesn't necessarily protect you; it's kind of just like a fun little gimmick thing. But you can kind of hide behind uh, like the uh, the long platform on the left. You can jump down to it from the one up top, and you'll just kind of hide there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there's also some cloud platforms that you can stand on, which are represented by the blue rectangles up at the top. Uh, the yellow squares are all question mark blocks that you can hit to get items to come out of them. Sometimes, though, they'll just be like a little coin effect and you won't actually get anything. It's just, hey, look, you got a coin. It's useless. Congrats, though. Uh, the fire piranha plant can shoot out small fireballs. Uh, he, he locks, he when he starts firing, he locks onto the direction of the player closest to him. But the fireballs themselves, they don't track at all. So that's just not a thing that they do. There's a pit in the middle that you can fall down, so try not to do that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the stage. It's fairly simple. I just have been wanting to do a Mushroom Kingdom stage, Mushroom Kingdom 3 stage, rather, for a long time, because we, we had Mushroom Kingdom that represented the first Mario game, Mushroom Kingdom 2 representing the second game, but we never had one for Mario 3, which, of the three of them, I always felt was the best. So it's really disappointing that we never got one. Music-wise... Mm -hmm. Uh, I've got here Bianco Hills from Super Mario Sunshine. Nice. I've got the ground theme from Mario 3. Uh, I have the ground theme um, remix that is in uh, Smash Ultimate. Uh, the Super Mario Bros. 3 medley that was created for Smash Ultimate. And then the underground theme from Mario 3. And you might nice. be wondering, Jono, do you have a home stage character for this stage? Yes, I do. Can't you see them? It's Piranha Plant. This is Piranha Plant's home stage. Oh, man. Welcome to Mushroom Wait Kingdom 3. 
Way to throw us for a loop with your best pal, Piranha Plant. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that that Piranha Plant is one of the best things you ever drew. Thank you. Yeah. No, I actually, think. the entire state is very symmetrical. I could see... I can envision how it would look because we've all played Mario 3 here. Looks great. Yes. And I, and I agree, now that you mentioned that. I mean, we had Mushroom Kingdom U after Mushroom Kingdom 2. It's like, come mm-hmm. on, right? And Mushroomy Kingdom. Yeah, not Mushroom, Mushroom Kingdom was kind of... Kind of eh. Yeah. I uh, like the concept. idea, eh. but yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could have been better. Yeah, but very cool. Very cool. Super Mario Brothers 3 is uh, the magnum opus of the Mario Brothers style games. I like it more than even World. Yes. To me, personally. Yeah. Oh. So, specifically the original. The, the Super Mario All-Stars one is good, too. But I like the kind of mystifying nature of the 8-bit version. Yeah. Uh Never, nevertheless, very cool, very cool. So now for my next stage. Yes. Uh, <laughs> remember when during the mystery submission thing that we were doing together at the end of the first season? Yes. Clearly, clearly you do. And how you kind of assumed my mystery character was going to be a certain someone. Oh no! Really? Yep. God damn it. Yep. This is Chucky's Playroom from Rugrats. What? It's just kidding. It's Upa's Kingdom from Bio Miracle Bokute Upa. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, I'm a. I see this. Yeah. So I just busted into a sprite set and just used the sprite sheet to make what it would look like and you did a really good job with it let me bring this over it kind of kind of <laughs> like how i uh when, when i made my old bowser's castle stage I, I did some sprites that i stole from that one not <laughs> not too much but it's there yeah yeah so this is pretty much like world one one kind of stuff for upa a mm-hmm. world of candy and sweets uh world two by the way is hopping into one of those cakes and just Upa just eats his way through it as you move forward, so that's kind of entertaining. Really? But that's not what you're for. Yes, I'll show you footage later. Oh. Um, <laughs> you don't need to do that. So there's already, an, there's already an Upa assist trophy, but Upa will be eventually be a playable character on the Smash Tobia Wiki too, and this is Upa's home stage. So um, pretty difficult to describe to the audio listeners just because there's so much going on. Right. But basically... From right to left, kind of, there's a series of wrapped candy platforms. There's four of them alternating between, like, up and... Okay, this is difficult. And there's a green and white dreamsicle popsicle on one side. You go to your left, and there's a big cake with strawberries on it as a center platform. You hop over that, and then there's more candy, and then some graham crackers as other aerial platforms... And to the left of that are some sticky orange popsicles, uh, double popsicles, and then another green dreamsicle-style popsicle. Uh, I just recommend that you look this up on the Smashtopia wiki when you hear this, because that wasn't a very good job explaining the layout. There's a lot going on. <laughs> there, There is a lot going on. It also looks like it could be a scrolling stage. It could be, and... In a world where I wanted to explain all of that, it could, it might have been, but it's just kind of as a stationary thing. Mm. And I've kind of been de- 
wondering if it should be 3D or if it should just look like that. I mean, we have the eye-bleeding destruction of Pac-Land. I mean, this looks a lot better than Pac-Man. I, like, I feel like if I'm seeing the stage in Smash, I mm -hmm. feel like it would look like this. Maybe touched up a little bit? But, mm -hmm. no, this is pretty damn solid. Yeah. No, I agree. It's it's a good-looking game for, for the 8-bit era. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's the eponymous Upa, the baby extraordinaire, the future ruler of his own kingdom. You know him, you love him. Yeah. So, uh, so Upa's kingdom looks a lot like the first world in Biomirko Boku de Upa. There's the various suites, and, uh, yeah, a couple of them are sticky and melty. So, the hazards. There's enemies in this game, too, that are given such strong names as Flying Blob and Pink Pig. Wow. That could also be our... I could also, those could also be our nicknames. Uh, who's... You know, I'm not going to ask. Let's just move on. Yeah. So, uh, the Flying Blob... I should have had a sprite representation of this, too, but... Just look it up. It, look, it looks You could have like drawn a, it like the, like the Piranha Plant. I could have. It, it's kind of like a toy car, but also Bronto Bert, and they're just smashed together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it acts similar to Bronto Bert 2, where it just flies around and bobs up and down while it moves forward. Uh, just like the Ice Climber enemies, knock them out, maybe get an item. Uh, then there's Pink Pigs, too. The Pink Pigs are literally Pink Pigs. That's, okay. That's kind of it. Aren't Pigs yeah. pink? Yeah. <laughs> but there's Blue Pigs in Bio Miracle Bokanoopa, too. Okay. <laughs> maybe they'll show up, too, but they have a bit of a different function. That's why I didn't include it. Um, they but the pink pigs will burrow from out of the cake, like a Monty Mole almost. But they'll be eating their way up from the top, mm -hmm. and then they'll walk to and fro on the cake's top, and that's kind of it. They can they can if they see you, they'll run towards you a little faster, and you might get hit and blah blah blah. That's kind of it. Uh, soundtrack wise, all of the tracks are from Bio Miracle Bokuteupa. Makes sense. The overworld theme, the digging theme, the climbing theme, the boss theme, the final boss theme, the ending theme, and my favorite, a, a machination of my own design, the Bio Miracle Bokute Upa, Upa's Medley. Makes sense. A remixed medley of songs including the overworld digging, climbing, and boss themes. All right. And bada bang, bada boom, that's Upa's Kingdom. You probably like that more than you thought you would. I mean, I'll say there's only one thing about it I don't care for. And it's Upa himself. No, it's uh, it's below the cake. You, the, you have those green mm -hmm. pillars. Yeah. One pillar is just like one square shorter than the cake, and that bugs the crap out of me. That's just how it looks in the original game is why. Ugh, I hate... As a platform yeah. piece, mm -hmm. I hate that. It's like, oh, hey, look, mm -hmm. I'm on the cake. Oh, hey, look, I'm just like one square below the cake. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah. But alright. Well, I suppose it's time for my next stage, unless you have more to say. Yes, it is. Okay, so this after life. This next stage has uh, also been on my mind uh, about as long as Mushroom Kingdom 3 has. This is from Kid Icarus Uprising, the Rewind oh. Spring. Which you might be thinking, nice. that's kind of a weird place to turn into a Smash stage. And you're not entirely wrong, but it was where a uh, boss battle took place in Kid Icarus Uprising, so I feel like it makes sense. It is a mm -hmm. super, super simple uh, stage. It's got a long platform with a pillar uh, in the middle of it, uh, so you can't really just, like, 
jump down below it and go all the way up to the other side, like some people have to do with some stages like Battlefield or whatever. But uh, if you're falling, you can, I guess, wall jump off of it if you think you're going to be able to recover that way. I don't know. You can try it. I don't think it's going to work considering how long the stage is as well. Anyways, what is interesting about this stage is that in Kid Icarus Uprising, the Rewind Spring has uh, healing waters, which Dark Pit uses to heal Pit's wings when they burn up because he decided to fly too long. He had a bit of an Icarus problem, but, you know, it's kind of in the game's title, I guess. Uh, there was also a uh, boss character that regenerated their younger form in the Rewind Spring, but spoilers. Anyways, for Smash, those healing waters are our hazard for this stage. It's not a damaging hazard at all, but um, every now and then, the waters of the Rewind Spring will flow forth. They will be glowing with this heavenly, mystical sparkle all around them. And that's how you know that they are active. Any player that is standing in the waters of the Rewind Spring will be continuously healed 2% damage per second. Now, if you're jumping in the air, then you're not making contact with the water, so you're not going to get a heal. It only works when you are making physical contact with the ground. You can be standing, running. You could have been knocked to the ground, so you're on your on your uh, back or whatever. doesn't matter. You're still getting healed in that segment. Uh, the fountain waters will flow for only be about between 5 to 15 seconds. It varies each time they'll appear, and then they'll just start to recede whenever the time is up, and you will no longer be healed for being on the stage itself. Uh, the water, there is always a little bit of water, but it's not going to be healing unless it's covering uh, more of the stage. And it covers really about uh, three-quarters of the stage. It's centered in the middle of it, so there's really just a bit on the edges that's not being covered up by the water, or that's having water on it that can heal you. So, there's that. Uh, as for music, this all uh, music is from Kinecris Uprising, and a few of the tracks I want to mention are At the Seafloor Palace, which is where they meet uh, Poseidon, uh, Dark Pit's theme from Kinecris Uprising, Magnus and the Dark Lord, the staff role, and the Together Menu music. And of course, it only makes sense that the character who uses this as a home stage is Dark Pit himself. Finally, he can be a little bit different from Pit, because, hey, he's not just going to be on Skyworld the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. That was not a stage that I was expecting, of course, given Kid Icarus Uprising has a lot of more battle-forward areas to to accommodate towards, and that's the that's the appeal of, of this stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, very cool. I like that there's a hazard that's actually kind of more of a help than a hazard. Right. In the traditional sense. Um, and as for that character that became younger... I got a spoiler for him. It was Magnus. It was not, but all right. It was that dog. Forgot about the dog. Yep. It was a fun. It was a fun time. So, um, you no, know, you know, cool. And now, for the sake of of time on the podcast, let's move forward to. I, I know. Funny for me to say when I'm the one who keeps tangenting. Okay. <laughs> So remember um, all those great DS games, all the all the great DS games that you loved Pokemon back in that era. Mega Man Star Force. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So my next stage is from a critically acclaimed title, and there, this series actually has a stage in Smash already, and it's one of your favorites and a fan favorite. Oh. And it's very, it's very, it's very tourney ready, tourney ready as well. So yeah, remember when you're talking about it earlier, and you're like, "Hey, Jono's gonna will this into existence just for the hell of it." Yeah, it's an electroplankton stage. It's nanocarbon. Is this even a 
Okay, I have a picture here that you sent me for this. Is this even a layout, or is this just a picture? It's it's just a picture because the layout takes multiple forms, so I decided to just fair enough, fair enough. There's some stages like that. I I have a few better mine, a few mine that are like that as well. Nice. So yeah, these are just two screenshots of nanocarp, and they kind of show so two different kind of delineated paths that you can that may take form or may not during this stage progression. So um, we're just going to kind of get into it, and I'll just go from my info to my layout and blah, blah, blah. Um, Nanocarp is one of nine games that are playable in Electroplankton, Lister's favorite Nintendo DS title. Never touched it, never and... will. That's what they always said about me. In Nanocarp, you control 16 Electroplankton as they move around the screen to produce varying formations. These are dependent upon the rhythm being input at the time, whether by blowing... Singing or clapping into the DS's microphone and or shifting the direction of the D-pad. So if you feel like relaxing and watching the plankton do all of the work on your behalf, you can do that too. Simply press the select button for a soothing musical screensaver. Mm-hmm. So in my Smashtopia, the touchscreen area that you see at the bottom there, um, half of that picture, uh, takes absolute precedent as the actual stage itself. Um, how because most electroplankton stages have that zoomed in thing because it's like they're plankton so they're microscopic so the top screen shows that makes um, sense yeah so the zoomed in top screen so in Hannibal you don't get that but here you will because it's kind of it takes precedent for the kind of game this is um, really kind of an app not just not really a game uh, the zoomed in top screen does appear so as a smaller presentation. And it's located kind of like as an ever-present small square at the top right of the screen. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just kind of an aesthetic, pleasing thing. Um, so Nanocarp is a hectic stage, as you may imagine, uh, wherein there's no large base platform to really speak of. Oh, the God. fighters are con- yeah. <laughs> the fighters are constantly having to move from plankton to plankton and bubble to bubble as the nanocart produce their rhythmic sounds. So so be careful not to ride a bubble too far up into the air since you might succumb to a KO if you reach past the stage of ceiling. This is the most uh, banned stage ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's one set of nanocarp who are constantly being guided towards others by the DS player. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a firm, broad bubble centered around that collection of nanocarp at all times and they move in a broad circular pattern throughout the stage fairly slowly uh this offers some semblance of security because the bubble will never pop that bright purple bubble that you kind of see with the reverberations around it on the other on the second screenshot there right that that kind of thing um so there's that never popping mechanic with that but fighting for real estate as you imagine might prove to be a pain um, the additional nanocarp will slowly line up in horizontal or vertical lines around that when it's active. Uh, other times it may be diagonal or in a circle or shaped in the form of a directional pad, as you see in that left screenshot there, or as a flowing sound wave, kind of like real wave player back in the day on Windows 98. Right. Um, and... Yeah, other moments it'll be totally random, or even designed as the face of one of the fighters present on the stage at that time. 
So they do all sorts of lovely tricks. Uh, nanocart bubbles can appear in a variety of colors, by the way, depending on the exact tone that they are emitting. So if they're going, it'll be blue. But if they're going, it'll be purple. And if they're going, it'll be green. If they're going, it'll be teal. And it goes pink, red, yellow, orange, etc. Uh, the fighters are able to battle on the nanocarp themselves too, but they kind of bob down and shake the fighter off. And uh, yeah, Dear with another God. rhythmic bubble. Yeah, yeah. So, any questions for the from the class? Why? Because I wanted to make another electroplankton stage, mostly because you were like. What the hell would anyone do? <laughs> you you do realize that a stage should be able to be fought on, right? Yeah. Do you? You you can you can do it to it if you really have the capability and know how to navigate the nanocarbs waters. Nope. Nope. I'm gonna yep. call bullshit. Oh, for hazards, I have not applicable. Good. The, the whole stage is the hazard. If you if you try to play the stage and turned off hazards, the stage wouldn't load. <laughs> it, it would, would not load. The screen. game would crash. Like congratulations, <laughs> you crashed the game. You have bricked your Nintendo Switch. GG. Oh yeah, there's there's no soundtrack, of course, because the beautiful sounds of the nanocarp, like I just kind of exhibited, that's a soundtrack. Oh boy. No oh boy. All right. A nanocarp will also occasionally sing Jigglypuff's song. No. 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 <laughs> We're moving on away from nanocarp. It'll be like. Uh... No, stop it. We're moving on to the next stage. Or we would. But actually, right. before we move on to the next stage, John. I uh, I believe you have something that you would like to share with our viewers a uh, a new venture that you are proceeding down. Yeah, so um, kind of exciting times. We talked about this near the start of JFrom.com early last year, and it just kind of dropped off for a while, just because I think you know when when you're two peas in a pod and but you're off doing different things, it's it's a little difficult to get things together and sort out. Yeah, as you can attest to from the numerous times during year one that I fell on my ass and did not get an episode up on time for Super Cast Brothers. Anyhow, though, um, I am prepared to announce now that P.D. Ronstadt and I of uh, P.D. Ronstadt of P.D. Ronstadt and the company, Ronstadt Generations, Ronstadt Brothers, uh, Linda Ronstadt's nephew, a name that means nothing to you but to many music loving people they're like oh it's linda's nephew which is what he gets all the time when people walk up to him after his show oh you're you're related to linda are you because he's a very famous pop singer back in the day um so pd is a good friend of mine here in tucson we both serve on the tucson folk festival board which has been picking up in the season as well and kind of tying in the tucson folk festival with what we do locally to play and promote music ourselves we're going to dive into a new podcast called Tucson to Tucum Carry. For the folks at home, that's Tucson to Tucum Carry. T U C U C A R I. Or something like that. I think I misspelled it. But Tucum Carry is a place in New Mexico. It was one of Linda's songs in Willen. It's a lyric. 
and we're going to just talk to local artists, talk to touring artists eventually when the COVID restrictions lease up and we have the opportunity to bring them in a studio or jump into PD's van and bring them around town while we talk. And uh, But for starters, we're just going to start kind of like Supercast Brothers, where we're in our individual rooms or at a studio, and we're going to talk music. We're going to talk the history of Tucson. We're going to talk the history of the folk festival, the history of his family's music, and just kind of spitball from there and have a music-based podcast from out of Tucson with uh, Tucson and touring music mentality, and it'll be quite interesting. There's some other ventures that I'm going to be dealing with as well in the podcast world, mm-hmm. but I'm going to save those for another time. And well, it'll be most intriguing. Yeah. Yes, it will. And in fact, it's the perfect segue for my next stage. The stage is called. <laughs> Give me a moment here. Tucson. From Earthbound! (laughs) Oh, I've been sitting on this for a while now. The whole reason I wanted you to give a spiel about the new podcast was so I could pull off this joke. Yes! Yes! Tucson from Earthbound is going to be a stage here for my Smashtopia. Here's the layout for all of you to see. So, uh, despite the fact that this stage is called Tucson, it's actually not... It's really just going to be focused more on the park area of Tucson itself. It's not going to cover the entire town, much like how uh, Foresight only covers a few buildings, or Onet only covers the drugstore. Well, we have a little bit more than a drugstore here. So Tucson is being focused here on the Berglund Park. Uh, it's got grounded walk-offs to the left and right, as you would expect again. We have a lot of stages like that that I've been designing. There are some that aren't. Don't worry about it. Uh, we have vendors in the middle people that are trying to sell their wares you can see it on top of their booths but uh be careful because standing on top of the booths and just hitting the booths will cause them to be damaged and then they can break down entirely and then you don't have an extra little platform which is always sad they will be rebuilt eventually but um everybody likes platforms so why would you get rid of them but you might notice there's a there's a sad little man on the left there is a sad little man this sad little man is named everdread everdread Feels like he's the boss of Berlin Park. You know, he, he thinks he's a tough guy. Uh, he, he starts out, you know, he's just standing on top of uh, another building's roof. It's really more of a shed. So he's just kind of watching the fight go down. You can stand on top of the roof next to him and you can attack people. He tends to kind of like back off in fear though when you do that. So, you know, he, maybe he's not as tough as he thinks he is. When the two vendor cells are both destroyed, however, Everdread, mad at the situation, will jump off of his roof and just start running at the other players. You know, he, he stamps his feet his foot on the roof a couple times first, but then he'll jump down and he'll run towards the fighters, attacking them with basic kicks and punches. He's not that strong. He's just kind of pissed off that somebody is um, destroying the park and it's not him and his crew. Uh, eventually, you know, he'll just be kind of fed up with it. He'll jump back on, on the roof, and then the stalls will be rebuilt shortly after that. Uh, it's, it's a fun little stage. I wanted to do something from Earthbound. And since we already had Onet and Foresight, I kind of figured we actually do either Tucson or three. And I really like the uh, design of the park, so I was like, "Yeah, let's go with this." Music-wise, I have not very many tracks from the game, but I decided to go ahead and throw in Apple Kids theme, uh, the Floating nice. Kingdom of Dalam, the opening credits, Paula's theme, and 
a, a medley for the Runaway 5 called the Runaway 5 Medley, which will uh, feature oh, their nice. tracks The Daily Show, Left the Building, and On the Move. As for who this stage could be a home stage of, I could have said Ness, but I didn't. It's Paula, though. I figured Paula, because, <laughs> nice. you know, that's kind of where you're told where she is when you're trying to go rescue her, so it just made sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is uh, Paula going to, in Smash, use Ness's move since Ness uses hers? I don't know. I just picked the character. <laughs> I have no designs nice. on how Paula would work in Smash yet. Maybe mm-hmm. someday. But uh, she just made sense. Like, not all the characters that I picked to be a home stage for these stages, I don't necessarily have slot ideas for them. Some of them I have a few ideas. But I don't necessarily have something for every stage. Yeah. Yeah, That make, no, that makes sense. Um, no, nice curveball. Thank you. Very nice. And I, I, I like how we set, up a, we set up a prominent podcast announcement. <laughs> Every but time you said two, you saw it, Mike Rin started getting bigger. It's like, yes, keep <laughs> saying it. <laughs> but that was even more prominent, so thank you. What a what a beautiful thing. There's a lot of people in our personal friend group, too, who will be tickled by that stage. Oh, I think so. So that's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, no, my next stage, by the way, um, another, um, this time I'm being a little serious. It's a great game. One of my, one of my personal favorites. Um, oh. Yeah. It's it's uh it's from Electroplankton. Another one? <laughs> Why? Just what like the DJ hell? Khaled used to say or always says. Oh, yeah, God. another one. Another one. So just wanted to double down. I'm like, you know what? This this can be done. Could have done can be done. Literally anything else, and you said you did two stages from Electroplankton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's rec rec. It's Wreck Wreck, and kind of like with Nanocarp, it's just a picture of the game. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> and again, it's one of nine game modes in Electroplankton. Uh, in it, there's four fish-shaped plankton that run parallel to one another as they each swim across the screen, screen from right to left. And it's kind of a consistent drone like that. Just a sl- slug's pace. Um, from top to bottom, the planktons range in color from red to yellow to blue and to green. Uh, luckily, there's not as much uh, direct tonal singing involved, so you don't have to go like this. Oh, Stop. Yeah. Players can manipulate the speed of the fish with four general rhythms input by the D-pad. Uh, sounds recorded through the DS's microphone will then be sung out by the plankton in perfect four-part harmonies. While set to that particular rhythm. So as the plankton sing, their vocal modulations will be visible through a soundbar that reverberates through their translucent bodies. The electroplankton can be moved off the perfect path by fighters hitting them hard enough. So, like, you're on the yellow plankton, and then someone just does a down smash. Like, uh, something like maybe, I don't know, let's say snake plants a mine and then runs into it. Then the yellow plankton will be set off a couple feet away from the other plankton, and then they'll be racing faster to catch back up with the school. So the fish will then race to get back in pace, in place, rather, with one another. So once again, engage in perfect harmony instead of disjointed harmony. Uh, as with other electroplankton stages, there's you no know, music because they kind of fill in the music themselves. There's ambient sounds of the electroplankton fill in where standard compositions generally would. So the harmonies that the plankton reverberate tend to be sound clips of various characters. Oh, so oftentimes, they will, yeah, oftentimes they will parrot the noises of characters and sounds who are on stage. 
So, for instance, if Jigglypuff uses its up special, the plankton will harmonize while singing Jigglypuff's song. They'll be like, Jigglypuff. And then Stop it. They'll be like, <laughs> The layout um, is just like it looks in proper Rec Rec. Uh, except there's two sets of plankton instead of one. So it's a widescreen. Um, so just as one set of plankton are exiting from the left side, there's another that's coming swimming in from the right. So there's always a platform to be on. Gotcha. Um, yeah. The rhythm is set. Uh, the rhythm that's set will affect the speed with which the Rec Rec women sing. Uh, and it'll change in 30 second intervals. So the four presets that the Rec Rec move in are like syrupy slow to kind of just normally slow to a standard pace to a little faster like a like a mild brisk run so they're changing pace every 30 seconds on top of the singing and yeah okay yeah well yeah enjoy please tell me you don't have any more electroplankton stages eh, not in this podcast thank god <laughs> all right so we're ready for my next one then mm-hmm. all right so my mm-hmm. next one is going to take a little bit more time to go through it's actually uh has several layouts involved with it so i'm just gonna send you several images right up right away so Bloody. enjoy all that so this is going to be my first well outside of deadly light my next uh third party stage that i'm coming up with here it's for me a very popular game that has recently released it's a party game you know some oh. might call it a battle royale. There's a lot of falling. There's little guys. It's Fall Guys. That's the game. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I decided... I actually wasn't really sure when I made the stage if it was something I felt like I should do. But eventually I was just like, you know what? F it. Let's go. Let's do a Fall Guys stage. Uh, so just give me a moment here. I have, to, I have to get this one open a little bit of a different way so I can kind of scroll through the image to show them all. Okay, so... Fall Guys is a transforming stage. It will always start... Actually, no, I believe it... Oh, shoot. Where's my notes? Okay, it starts out with a very Final Destination-based look. Just a singular flat platform. But this platform only stays around for about 10 to 15 seconds at the beginning of the match. And then you will never see it again. Instead, from that point on... Uh, it will start to transform into one different mini games from Fall Guys. I have picked out six different mini games from Fall Guys, uh, season one and season two. Apparently, we're going to get new stages. We just haven't seen them yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each transformation is going to last about forty-five to sixty seconds before it transitions into a new stage. We will not be going back to the basic one-platform Final Destination-based look between transformations. We're just going from one to another. The first one that I have up here on the screen is for the mini game called Egg Scramble which is a team game in Fall Guys where your teams are trying to get eggs from a center pit in, into their own goals. The team that has the least eggs in their goal is eliminated, but for Smash, obviously doesn't quite work that way. In the middle, we have a pit full of eggs. Uh, while my circles are not all the same size in Smash, they are all egg-shaped, they're all the same size. Um, they'll be colored either uh, red, blue, yellow, green, just represent the different team colors in Fall Guys. You can pick them up. You can throw them at other players. Uh, they don't do a whole lot of damage. Uh, they'll do, I think it's just like 3%. Uh, but there will also be some that are golden eggs. And they will deal about 8% damage. But then as soon as an egg is thrown, whether it hits a player or just stage, it's broken, it's gone. You can actually run out of eggs. And they just will not refill. 
there's a little bit of some. I don't know. Curves isn't quite the right word, but you can tell in the layout that okay, the platforms for this transformation isn't just a flat line. There's a little bit of steps to it. The blue um, little lines on the left and right, though, that's where the nets are for each of the goals that each team has. And those sets are a little bit bouncy. So if you run into them, you will just bounce off harmlessly uh, back towards the middle. So that's a little bit of a fun thing nice. there. The second transformation is for the minigame Fall Mountain. Uh, Fall Mountain, oh, I should also say that um, Egg Scramble is a grounded transformation. Fall Mountain, however, is not grounded. It's going to be in the midair. This is one of the final games in Fall Games where you, where a person's going to get the win from. It's got a nice flat, nice flat platform at the bottom. There's a lot of tilted platforms up in the air that can be found on top of. Red cannonballs will fly from the air at times because there's in the background of the stage there are cannons that are going to be shooting cannonballs out of the stage. They hurt. Do not let one run into you. They'll slam on top of a platform. Uh, they'll just start rolling down. Eventually, they'll roll off the stage itself. Try to stay away from because they will hurt, doing both damage and knockback. Every now and then, a large golden crown will appear... Uh, somewhere on the stage. Usually it's going to be at the top in the middle, but it could also appear off to the side on the left or right, whichever. The first player that runs into the crown and um, I mean, really just touches it, you don't have to do anything, just touch it, you will receive a 50% boost to your attack power for 10 <laughs> seconds. It's a nice little advantage. The next transformation that we have here is called Hoopsie Daisy. It's another team minigame in Fall Guys where we're trying to jump through hoops. The team that jumps through the least hoops has the least points. They're eliminated. Anyways, Hoopsie Daisy is going to be grounded as well. There are these two inclined planes to the left and right that um, have a not, not a pit in the bottom, but there's a nice little valley in the bottom there. You don't die down there. It's just, it's just kind of like a... It's just in between the two inclines. There will also be hula hoops that will appear in various different places. I just kind of have like a mock-up of where they can appear. They're not always all going to be like everywhere at once. But um, if you jump through a hoop, you will receive a temporary 10% boost to all your stats for about 10 seconds. Uh, each nice. hoop will only stay around in the field for about 5 to 8 seconds. And if nobody jumps through it, it'll just fizzle away. There are, there are not that many that will appear at once or so. It's not like everybody's going to be getting a huge boost all the time. They're not they're not always going to be just crazy. Uh, additionally, those two inclines sometimes will have a conveyor belt activate on them, which will carry anything standing on them upwards. So you can just stand on top and it'll just start moving you up. Or if there's even an item just laying there, it'll just move up as well. Nice. The next layout I have is Royal Fumble. Uh, it's another one of the ending mini-games. Uh, this one, uh, in the in Fall Guys, one person has a tail. Grab them to steal their tail. The player with the tail at the end oh, yeah. wins the match. So Royal Fumble is another walk-off stage. It's got these little caves of life there at the, at the uh, left and right. There's also a large swinging wrecking ball. Don't get hurt by it. It's not a good idea. Uh, it kind of just stays, stays there in the middle at first, but if people attack it, it'll start to swing around. So be careful of this. Otherwise, um, Royal Fumble, fairly simple. Just be aware of the case of life. Uh, then we have Seesaw. Oh boy, people hate this one. And understandably. Uh, Seesaw, it may look like the face of somebody who is just annoyed, but those are all Seesaws. 
Uh, the two top platforms can be passed through like uh, any of the platforms. Like you can just jump through them, no problem. The one at the bottom is solid. Nice. Players standing on these platforms will cause them to tilt, like a seesaw. King K. Rule will cause a platform to tilt more heavily than a character like Olimar would, but uh, if people are all hanging up on one side, that platform might just tilt almost vertical, and then you're not going to really be able to use it as a platform. Be careful. Nobody's going to like this stage. Nobody. And I'm fine with that. Uh, then I have the Whirly Gig. Uh, one of my favorite uh, race matches in uh, Fall Guys here. Oh, uh, this is actually the final transformation, too. Uh, there are four solid platforms arranged, you know, fairly evenly apart from each other, kind of like in a square format. But then there is a propeller in the middle. The propeller does not oh, yeah. always move, but when it does, it'll start off slow, and then it might get faster, or it might just start fast and then get slow, or it's just going to always be slow or always be fast. It kind of depends. Each time it activates, it might be a little bit differently. You can stand on its place as a platform, but... When it's going fast, it's going to be very difficult to do, and it might end up flinging you away, so do be careful. One of the reasons why I wanted to make this uh, game have a stage is the music, which we know I'm not necessarily big on music, but this game reminded me of Splatoon's music, and you know I love nice. Splatoon. Uh, mm -hmm. there's, there's actually very few tracks in the game. I think there's only five, so naturally I picked all five. So the tracks that are going to be uh, in Smash are Everybody Falls, which is the name of the main theme, uh, Fall for the Team, Survival, Fall and Roll, Race and Logic, those are, Fall, fall and Roll, Race and Logic is like a full title there, uh, Final Fall, which is the final theme, and then Survive the Fall. So there nice. you go. Nice little stage, a lot of transformations to it, but I wanted to do one that had some transformations. Yeah, yeah. Fall Guys is something I need to get in on. And I think I actually will in the near future. It's pretty so fun. That'll be that'll be a fun old time. I don't What's know the if other it's... game that you're playing. What the mafia, the mafia kind of game that you just were playing recently. Oh, Among game. Us, but I don't. I would not make yeah. a stage for Among Us. No, oh, also, no. uh, home stage character, the Fall Guy himself. I don't have a oh. an idea for him, but I did see somebody post an idea for him once. The only move I remember is. Uh, it would have, like, a, for a dub special, a spinning hammer would come around and knock him up into the air, which is really funny. I love it. Nice. Nice. That rem that kind of reminds me of, like, the idea of having, like, the good job character in in the game as well. You know, from the game Good Job by Nintendo. Or published by Nintendo, at least. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, kind of kind of a similar idea in, ter in terms of the mechanics. So my next sure. stage is also a little more complicated. In terms of in terms of layout, it's not as extravagant as the Fall Guys stage, which was excellent, by the way. Good job. Thank you. Thank um, you. My stage, though, is a tower. Oh. The tower of Valny from Fire Emblem, the Sacred Stones. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just kind of as a little bit of background, and in the country of Frilia rather this i guess the province stands the tower of valny a hulking spire eight stories high that is home to many foul creatures of the night like me throughout fire emblem the sacred stones uh ephraim and erica's parties are able to visit the tower of valny to dispatch of monstrous foes grinding experience points in the process and reaching certain conditions whilst clearing the tower of valny it will unlock various NPCs and villains as playable characters. 
Okay. So kind of like kind of like the paralogs in Awakening or Fates, um, but it's it's the Tower of Oni. Um, stage layout, as you can see here, it's just kind of like a looks kind of like a snake pattern or or some. It weird looks like the Tower of thing. Hanoi. Yeah. <laughs> or actually, no. Let me let me be, be more accurate with this. It looks like somebody uh, is cleaning dishes and they're just stacking all the bowls up on top of each other. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. So there's eight floors to the tower. There's eight floors on the stage. Mm -hmm. uh, to the left and the right, there are stairs. So um, the fight begins on the first floor of the tower. Um, on either side of the stage, those flights of stairs are present for fighters to mount. Um, although they only serve as platforms and they don't guide them automatically upwards. So, so the stages are actually... Um, you see it laid out like that there, but it's actually... When you're fighting on this stage, it's one floor at a time. So you're only seeing that first floor. Then you go up to the second. Okay. Yeah. So you so you kind of get what I mean here. So like it would have been perhaps more accurate of me to just show one square at a, one rectangle at a time. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But but there's eight in total. So whatever. So, um, so it's a so it's a traveling stage, not a traveling stage, a scrolling stage. It's actually a traveling stage. Oh. What? Yeah, because uh, uh, Ascension is handled in a way similar to Castle Siege. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Even yeah, though so they all look the same. Where... They don't look... That's the only reason they look the same is because I didn't draw it out. How it... It's just a basic layout. Um, but each each floor looks different. It just has the same basic layout. Gotcha. But the background, the background is different. Um, so a quick motion blur transports the characters from one floor to another, basically. Uh, so each floor is identical in layout to the other, uh, with special exception to the eighth, and we'll get to that. Um, because the eighth bears no stairs in in the foreground and showcases a cyclops in the background. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Normally, the Cyclops will linger near its post, near the tower's exit. In hindsight, it would have been useful for me to show a Cyclops there, too, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, there's that there's that thin little kind of ceiling area that you see at the top there. That's the 8th floor. That flat land. Um, so yeah, the Cyclops will normally linger near the tower's exit, but it occasionally travels towards the front of the stage. And it has a brave axe, and it'll just slam it down multiple times. Uh, each floor actually hosts a different species of monster to fend off, by the way. So the first hosts Bonewalkers, mm -hmm. the second hosts Revenants, the third the third hosts Bale, the the fourth hosts Moth Dugs, the fifth hosts Tarvos, the sixth hosts Moggles. And the seventh host gargoyles, while the eighth features the lone cyclops. Right. Yeah. So besides the lone cyclops, the other floors host groups of monsters who populate the background, standing in place until one or two decide to enter the foreground and attack. Mm-hmm. So, going through the hazards here. The haunts of floor one are bone walkers. Bone walkers are armored skeletons who are equipped with swords or lances. So, like in Sacred Stones, all these monsters attack as they do in Sacred Stones. 
the Bone Walkers kind of jauntily edge, you know, jauntily edge towards their opponents. And when they have the target in sight, they'll attack. Uh, just get a, get the lance and jab it forward, or get the sword and swing it down. Okay. Revenants, uh, for lack of a sweeter description, are reanimated corpses. They're zombies. Um, so they sleep. They slowly creep forward and towards their prey. They saunter forward, and then when they reach close in enough, then these are the haunts of the second floor. They'll swipe their claws down at the opponent, and that could offer some poison damage too. Okay. The bale. Your favorites out of the bunch, right? They're uh, great spiders who hail from the mountainside. Oh. Yeah. So they're roughly the size of a hefty grizzly bear, kind of. And so, uh, yeah, the, these arachnids, they, they, they kind of, it's kind of a similar animation to the to the Revenant, almost as similar as it could be with the body types being so different. Because they had actually attack with their legs. They're, they have pointed, armored legs. Mm-hmm. And they just jab them jab the front two into their prey. And that could stun people for, for a short period of time. Fun. Yeah. The Moth Dug. They're wild dogs. They're like gray, mangy animals who are rabid. With... They have like Blanca's color palette. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Wait, Blanca from Animal Crossing or Blanca from Street Fighter? Oh, Street Fighter. Okay, okay. Yeah, so so green skin and, and orange spur. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and then so they kind of, they whirl forward. So they, they're kind of starting at a, I don't know, like a 160 degree angle mm-hmm. as, they, as they come in towards an opponent. And then they leap forward with a whirl and go, and then that's when they bite, bite them. Gotcha. They slam into them from a, from a angle. So the Tarvos, who are on the fifth floor, are a jaded centaur of a lost society, if you will. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's almost like Harry Potter, but they're all bad. Um, they're, they're so they're half human, half horse, of course, and they run towards opponents and just swoop down their axe, their pole arms, their pole axes, onto opponents. Okay. Uh, yep. Sixth floor, the Moggles. Those are evil eyes. They're floating eyes with with tendrils that kind of it's like Kirby if he had tendrils something yeah so like like that if you're watching at home kind of so <laughs> um, so yeah the giant evil eyes and they possess an inkling of dark magic because they were made by dark magic naturally and so uh, so they just kind of look at you and then as they're peering at you they'll have they'll summon a disc of purple energy and that'll hone in towards opponents okay uh gargoyles they fly they're flying around wherever they kind of want to go and then they swoop down with their lances or their axes or their so or whatever and they just come flying in from a diagonal and swoop down towards opponents and last but not least is a Cyclops, who's kind of the boss character of the Tower of Only, and in itself, like Cyclops appear more often late in the game, right? As just standard en- enemies, but they're pretty, they're pretty gargantuan to deal with at the beginning. Um, they're towering figures. They're easily the size of several. 
I don't know, like four Ganondorfs tall. How about that? <laughs> for for a weird measure. They're huge. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty high up there. Ganondorf's a beefy man on his own. So this, uh, <laughs> this particular Cyclops is the guardian of the Tower of Valny, and he has a Brave Axe. Uh-huh. Um, so he's, again, he's able to swing it down towards the stage several times in a row. So the, so the standard attack of the Cyclops will be to saunter up to the front of the stage from the background, where it'll be guarding the exit to the Tower of Valny, and have its huge Brave Axe, and it'll just ram it into the floor repeatedly. And anyone caught up in that mess? <laughs> buddy. Oh, buddy. Um... So the Cyclops isn't easily felled like the other enemies. They could just be knocked out with a few hits. Right. Of course. Um, it's it's a stage boss more akin to Yellow Devil. Wherein you have to attack... But, you know, still less annoying than level the Yellow Devil, I think. Yellow Devil's um, fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so when it swings the axe down on the stage, too, it could cause tremors that stun opponents for a brief period of time. There can be uh, little little rocks and stalactites that fall from the sky and hit them, too during that point. Uh, and the Cyclops can also take that Brave Axe and throw it like a hand axe. And when it throws it, it goes in a boomerang-like arc throughout the stage towards opponents, and that deals a lot of damage, too. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's also said that it bears great treasure. So now if you defeat it, you can get a lot of crap. So items will explode out of it. Basically, or if you're playing a stock match or whatever, kind of, kind of think like knocking out Ridley on that other M stage back in whatever, or you get a stock point for knocking out Cyclops. Okay. Yeah. Soundtrack uh, variations on Sacred Stones for the most part. Uh, there's a Sacred. There's some metal medleys of Sacred Stones main themes that I'm particular towards, so I put those in there. Uh, also, a remix of Truth, Despair, and Hope. A remix of the Tower of Olney theme, uh, remixes of Land of Promise, uh, Lions theme, The Prince's Despair, Fly with the Breeze, and from Fire Emblem Heroes, their take on the Sacred Stones track, Determination. All right. Yeah, and that's kind of that. You who have still played really none of Heroes. Yep. It's enjoyable. It it helps to have it on the side and when I'm working on other things. Mm-hmm. No, I bet. All right. Well, I guess it's time for my next stage. So this one yeah, is going to be the home stage for a character that is Audience Smash, an Echo Fighter, actually. This stage nice. is called Phase. Which, for those of you that don't know the Metroid franchise, it's a Metroid stage. So there you go. Nice. So I wanted to do a stage that was um, going to be for Metroid uh, that wasn't going to do lava or acid. And I was speaking with Twilix about it, actually, trying to get a good idea. And we were kind of deciding between, like, um, Vendrana Drifts or Criteria or Talon 4. Uh, just a Aether. One of these various places. But we decided, you know what? Let's make something for Dark Samus. And so we chose Phase. Phase is, of course... Uh, the planet phase, pa fl wow, words. Uh, it's the planet phase, and it's the source of all phase on in the galaxy, and then it kind of just like shoots off parasites to infect other planets because it's kind of rude like that. Uh, phase is only at the very end of Metroid Prime Three Corruption, where you really just 
run there a little bit, and then you fight the final boss. Not a whole lot to it. But I decided that for this stage, uh, I had this great big platform at the very bottom middle. The bottom edges of it really looked torn up and kind of... Kind of like parts of them are phasing in and out, which is a, a really just a trait from phase on, or at least that's how Trillix explained it to me. So that's kind of how I decided to make that look. Uh, there's a phase on Metroid that will float around. It can kind of like phase in, disappear, phase in somewhere else. And then naturally, much like the Metroid Assist Trophy, it can latch onto somebody and just drain them of their energy, damaging right. them, uh, kind of grabbing them in place before it lets go and starts looking for somebody else. There's also a tentacle on the stage. The tentacle isn't always in the same spot as displayed in the layout. Uh, it can go away and then reappear somewhere else. Uh, it doesn't really do much on its own. It's not going to like lash out at somebody else. But if you make contact with it, you're going to take damage, uh, minor damage really. It's just and it's electrical, but it's it's there. It's something to be aware of. There's also these three platforms. Uh, one in the middle, one off to the side, and then one off to the other side, I guess I should say, left and right side, but whatever. These platforms are not always there. They're usually there, but sometimes they'll just mm -hmm. phase out of existence and then phase back in later. They might phase in and out as a group or individually. It kind of really just depends. As for the music on this stage, uh, the ones I decided to choose were the title theme from Metroid Prime 2 Echoes, alongside the Versus Dark Troopers and Versus Emperor Ing, uh, tracks from that game and then from prime 3 corruption i have dark samus battle and run this battle to represent phase very nice know. and i like how you're uh taking from a point of metroid prime that's very relevant to the story and major to a character without being totally obvious yes and i also like that both of our stages concurrently in a in a row here feature tendrils in some sort of way so that was not planned so that no, it was not, but it's a special little thing. So uh, I think we might only have enough time to get one or two more of each of our stages. So at this point, mm -hmm. we probably want to make sure that we can hit the ones we're most excited to talk about. Yeah. Whatever ones yeah. those are going to be for you. Because we, we don't have much time left. We've got roughly 20 minutes. Right. Yeah, I was looking at the time myself. I totally get that, and I have... If this is my last hurrah, I have something in mind. Okay, go for it. Okay, so we're going to step to another tower. There's a few towers that I have in here. Um, this tower is from Pandora's Tower. Okay. This tower is the Treetop Tower from Pandora's Tower, a criminally underrated game on the Wii, which is kind of just a God of War clone, but it had a cooler story. Oh. So there's that. <laughs> um so you check out that layout there you get some you get some green man in the center there's some interesting platform things going on so let's explain really quickly here uh in Please. pandora's tower which was kind of like the third tier the final game in project rainfall i still can't believe that campaign totally came true <laughs> that's that's kind of a super feat of the, of the fan base that's awesome uh, and now I just kind of wish we get Pandora's Tower and the last story on the Switch, but what can you do? Um, protagonist Aaron is tasked with ascending the 13-pronged tower and capturing the hearts of it, each of its masters. So that thing in the middle is the treat is the master of the treetop tower. Um, they're, gar they're guardians of the tower, basically, and they and they guard 
they they keep the tower intact essentially mm-hmm. by by being present. They're they're kind of godlike creatures essentially. Uh, so Aaron is con- encouraged to do so by the Wanderer Mavda, who's this weird little baby-looking old hag creature, and Mavda offers shelter to his betrothed Elena when she suddenly falls ill under a dark curse. So uh, if he's unsuccessful in bringing Elena each of the Guardian's hearts to feast upon... So th- there's 13 hearts that your girlfriend eats in cutscenes in this game to cure That's herself. That's gross. Yeah. So she will ultimately succumb to the curse and become a great monster. So it's kind of Shadow of Colossus too, where you're killing these monsters who are just docile creatures and it's kind of like a question of moral judgment. Am I the uh, bad so the... guy here? Yeah. So the treetop tower is the first of the 13 towers that Aaron visits. Uh, the stage layout. So the centerpiece of the stage is the giant tree that's growing upside down. So that's what those two platforms are. The, the brown is just like its its roots, its trunk, and the green is trying to represent the tree. It looks a lot more magnificent in the game, trust me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> players are able to hop onto the firm bottom end of the tree's branches and twigs and fight upon that. Um, so it provides ample room to attempt avoiding the master of the treetop tower below. So that's kind of up in front of the foreground a bit. So uh, when you're on top of that tree, it won't affect you, even though it's kind of obscuring the bottom half of that platform. Um, so when the master becomes enraged, though, which will happen under certain circumstances, the tree may fall to the ground and dissipate for a short amount of time while this beast enacts its anger. So it, there's a underneath that tree is a hollow groove of stone with vines and flowers that are just coming up from the cracks because the treetop tower is very naturalistic. Um, that's kind of the theme throughout ecological. This is where the master of the treetop tower will emerge from the background upon. So he'll walk in from more of that stone in the background and walk to the forefront upon that same platform. Um, then on either side of the stone or soft patches of grass, and that's an, a, a short incline upwards on either side, mm-hmm. uh, as you can see there. Uh, the master of the treetop tower is naturally the hazard here, a stage boss. Left alone, just like in Pandora's Tower, he does nothing. It just looks around, observes the stage, and kind of just looks around peacefully and then walks away after a short amount of time. Um, if the Master of the Treetop Tower is hit even once, however, by anything, it will come forth in a fit of defensive rage. So once it's activated as a stage boss, the Master will engage in one of three attacks. Uh, in a defensive bout, it might form wooden spikes across its entire body, so it'll kind of crunch up, kind of like Kirby using its his spike ability. Mm-hmm. Um, or... It'll go on the offense and swing its limbs down towards opponents. So, like, kind of like Groot. <laughs> it's just like, like that. Or, uh, last but not least, it'll jump up and down, uh, which it tends to only do when it's low on HP, because that causes tremor and it'll cause the tree to fall. Right. And if, and if the tree falls, it'll also dish out heavy damage to anyone caught underneath it, with the exception of the Master of the Treetop Tower, of course. Um, because it'll just sidestep the tree automatically. Uh, the tree regenerates a little bit later, uh, and if the master of the tree top tower is KO'd, the fighter who dissed out the ending blow will gain a stock point. Blah, 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 blah. The soundtrack has a pretty cool soundtrack. All from Pandora's Tower here. There's the main theme, 
and then three separate themes for three separate like tiers of master fights. So master theme one, two, and three. There's the final battle. There's a vocal version of the final battle. Elena's song, Elena's second song, Elena's song on piano, and Mavda's theme. Blammo. Okay. Well. Yeah. I was wondering what... Uh... Don't, you, you, you've talked a lot about that game. You've been very excited about it. I've, I tried looking up stuff about it. I want to see if I had any suggestions I could possibly fathom just from looking at the wiki. I didn't have anything at the time. Kind of go figure yeah. with that. But, uh, all right, cool. Seems kind of interesting. Yeah. At first, when I was yeah. looking at that picture, I didn't realize that the tree was upside down. I thought it was just like, okay, here's a section of leaves, and then here's a taller section of leaves on top of the tree. Mm-hmm. Nope, it's upside down. Oh, upside down. <laughs> All right, well, uh, before we go into my last stage, Donna, do you want to do a uh, quick, very quick lightning round of the remaining stages that you had, just like a short, small details about them, uh, that way people can see them on the Smashtopia wiki later? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, go for it. So, super fast here. We're just going to go through it. From the last story, it's another tower, the Stargazers Um the layout thing that I came up with for this, it's just kind of like the wallpaper from the last story and um, like a popular scene from it and whatever. We don't even, I don't even know if we have time to pull it up. I'm not but pulling any layouts for lightning round. This is fucking lightning round. Like, yeah, yeah. 20 yeah, seconds. Yeah. Okay. So Stargazer's Tower, it's pretty, pretty nondescript, but it's just like in the game, it's primarily an aesthetic trip. So you're getting all those comets coming through mm -hmm. and you're just fighting in that arena last story being another project rainfall game that i'm very passionate about then to fit to finish up the tower montage um there's the tower of twin dragons from bloodstained um which is that area in bloodstained where they went through the promotional material for it and you were like and miriam was walking through this tower and it would uh the background would shift and turn as she walked upwards and so at the center, there's a bunch of gears that move around because mm -hmm. it's a clockwork tower. That's kind of how it moves around. And on either side, there's a broken staircase. And there's several monsters from the game that appear as hazards. Uh, then there's from Fatal Frame 3, the Manor of Sleep. The Manor of Sleep being the primary location. Uh, I didn't do too much research into the, into the background just yet, but it's like the character falls asleep the main character falls asleep and then wherever her home is that she that she's found in the mountains it becomes the manor of sleep and there's ghosts there that haunt her um at the center stage there's the main gate leading into that shrine open it up and there's there's a uh, ghost that come out and attack you shovel knight the truffle pond the truffle king's there he dances around there's truffles that dance all around they don't act as extra platforms the main platforms are to the left they're like the area that you walk in the, the dock and then sometimes you can, I guess you can jump on top of the Trouble King, and it's very very friendly dance oriented shovel knight action. Uh, Assassin's Creed, there's the Theater Royale, which is actually a historical theater that is still existing today in London. Oh, uh, um, yeah, from Assassin's Creed Three and Assassin's Creed Four, I decided to kind of base this around a play, and so that's why there's like a moon and a star set. And, and turning platforms up above the stage that you primarily fight upon and they can crash onto the stage below. And so that's kind of that's kind of the idea there. Uh, from Super Mario Sunshine, haha, 3D All-Stars, we have Rico Harbor. 
uh, Gooper Blooper's in the background. Gooper Blooper can shoot stuff at you. Goop. You're, uh, there's, a, there's a crane platform that moves above, move back and forth, blah, 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 blah. Uh, White Orchard from The Witcher, kind of a more complicated stage. I'll get more into that on the, on the thing. But basically, it's set outside of the village, and a griffin comes down and attacks every so often. Uh, the Spinature from Popeye, because I never gave Popeye, who's on Smastopia, the wiki, a stage. And the Spinature is Popeye's boat. And it's being chased by Bluto's boat the entire time. And some of the track listings are just songs from the Popeye TV show. Wow. Okami's Ryoshima Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Okami's Ryoshima Coast. You get a some of the most prime, prominent areas. Uh, the moon platform as well as a shrine um, to the right. And they're just kind of ripped from the game and shrunken down. Okami being one of my favorite games ever. Owlboy, the massive owl space library featuring the uh, final scene fight area basically to the left with a with a balcony that leads off into a lot of floating space detritus to the right. Mm -hmm. uh, Professor Layton's Big Ban, at first this is going to be London, and I was like, I don't have time and don't want to make this a traveling stage. Fair enough. Big Ben, yeah. Big Ben, prominent in London, prominent in... Another tower. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. The Eternal Diva. But this one is based around more of the clockwork than, than the tower structure. Um, every so often, that tower bell will ring. And opponents can jump up there, too, and make the, the bell ring itself. And that makes everybody shake around for a few. Um, and from Mystery Murasami Castle, Nazanomu Murasami Joe, there is Murasami Castle. It's crazily developed. The, the platforms are just building all the way up the side of the castle. Which is why when I show the layout on the wiki, it's going to be like, what? And uh, it's cool. It, it kind of I designed it that way because I wanted it to mimic the idea of hopping up the, the side of a castle like a ninja would. Right. And then there's like UFOs in the background sometimes because there's aliens in that game apparently. Bam! All right, so let's get into my later round here before I go into what my final stage is going to be. Uh, first of all, I have Stack Up, which features a, a gigantic rob in the background as it's playing the game Stack Up, and you're kind of fighting on top of the game Stack Up. Bit of a thing there. I've also got Spike Muff City from Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, features our very first Dark-type gym in all of Pokemon, which, of course, is a favorite of mine. Uh, it has a little mm -hmm. bit of a sideways traveling, kind of like uh, Golden Plains in Smash 4 on 3DS. It has a middle, but then it can shift to the left, shift to the right. It's not really scrolling, but it shifts back and forth, more or less. I uh, also have the yeah. Schellendorf Institute, which is a new spl Splatoon stage. Uh, you're fighting on top of nice. the uh, the glass ceiling, and there's a little hole in the middle that you can fall down, so do be careful of that. Rooftops from Ultimate Chicken Horse. This stage is a player's nightmare, because there's hazards that will just appear as the fight goes on from saws to missiles extra platforms uh, pinwheels airplane paper airplane shooters a lot of a lot of stuff it's crazy i don't have enough time to get into it uh the dragon's gate from fire emblem one of the one of the one of the blazing sword thank you i can never keep those two those two uh apart 
can never figure them out. But this one, uh, it's the final boss area of the game, but instead of having the red dragon appear as a boss like it does in the original game, I decided to have this stage be where one of four dragon characters can appear at a time. Idun, Grima, Medeus, I forgot my, oh, Duma. Duma's my last one. I decided to have a little nice. bit more from just generic fire dragon. I also have Cyber World from the Mega Man Battle Network games. Huge stage, lots of platforms. Uh, it's got teleporters, and then some of the evil net navvies from across the franchise can appear to attack you as well. Less less awful to deal with though than the Yellow Devil, thank God. I also have Doctor Mario, a stage of from Doctor Mario. You're actually inside the pill bottle as um, pills are starting to fall down. There's some viruses in there. Do be careful. You use the pills as platforms, but they can also squish you, so watch out. I've got the Burned Tower from Pokemon Gold and Silver or Heart Gold Soul Silver, whichever. Oh, and I guess Crystal. Uh, it's a fairly important location to the lore of uh, the Johto region, and it will even see appearances from Raikou, Intei, Suicune, and Ho Oh. Fun stuff. Nice. I've got Insanity Beach, the opening location from the Crash Bandicoot games. There's a beach. There's some trees. Fun stuff. It's it's the it's that opening screen of the game, pretty much. So they also kind of like turn the camera around because I didn't want it to just be forest. It's called a beach. Why are you going through a forest? Annoying. Uh, I've got Paper Theater, which is my name for what some people call the big stage or the battle arena in Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door. Uh, there's theater props on the stage. The audience members can throw things at it. There will be enemies that will appear, and even a boss character of Hooktail. Fun stuff. I've got nice. Fungi Forest from Donkey Kong 64. There's a primary platform on top, which is like a treehouse or a mushroom building. I don't remember. I'm not looking at it right now. And there's a couple of mushrooms, uh, lower towards the bottom of the stage, that you can jump off of. You get a little bit of extra height when you jump off of them, but they're not technically bouncy themselves. Uh, I've also got uh, Death Mountain. From the Legend of Zelda, it's a it's appeared in many different Zelda games. I don't really have a specific appearance to draw from for it, but there are platforms along the volcano itself, kind of like outcropping that you just can stand on top of. Five. So you're literally fighting on the surface of the volcano here, and lava might just fall down and obscure some of the platforms. And you, so you don't want to really go there when there's lava in the way. But now that the lightning round is done, I can get to what my actual final stage is. It's a joke you love hitting me with, and I'm stealing it from you. Welcome to the stage where you fight on Azurda's back. <laughs> Had to do it. Had to do it. This stage yeah. is the Cloud Sea. Uh, I don't. I did not create a layout for this one. I just have an image here of Azurda uh, going through the Cloud Sea um, from the beginning of the game. You fight on top of Azurda, quite literally there. Uh, it's just the exact same layout that you see in the game. Fairly simple enough. He might raise or lower his head, uh, so you can need to be careful of that. There's also a little platform that kind of just hangs off to the side of him on the right that Rex will use for his salvaging. And sometimes that platform will just fall into the cloud sea. Do not stand on the platform when it does this, or you will die. Yeah. So for those of you who want to stand on that platform, then feel free. Sure. Uh, whenever the platform does come back up, however, it might be carrying some items along with it. Maybe a metal box, or a hard container, or just a capsule. <laughs> you never know. Uh, it, in the background, the, the background, you'll see um, various titans appearing. You might see some enemies that are flying around. Uh, you can see more Ardain. You can see the Leftharian titans. It's just a very nice 
it's kind of like a tour of the world of Allrest where Xenoblade Chronicles 2 takes place. You can see the world tree at some point. It's just honestly a rather calming stage. It's not much goes on, but it's it's fun. Uh, soundtracks I want to mention from it. I have Deathmatch with Torna, Gormot, More Ardain, A Napon's Life, and the battle theme from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 Torna, The Golden Country, the DLC expansion that the game came, which I still need to finish. Mm-hmm. Still need to finish that. But that is all of my stages. I'll be putting them all up uh, on Smashtopia, so they'll be there before this episode is live. So you can go there right now and look at them all. But we are out of time. We are pretty much on the dot. So, Jono, do you have any ending thoughts as we close out today's episode? That was a monster of an episode. I really enjoyed going to these showcases. I'm kind of, at the end, I was like, man, how many are we really going to get through? But I think we got nine of pop on top of the rest of them just talking the lightning round. So it was it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. Sounds good. And it was the first was the first one that really takes advantage of the Steam video format, too. So. Yeah, really. I think mm-hmm. Smash Dubbies mm-hmm. will take good advantage of that for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. Next time, though, it's going to be our first Smash or Dash of the new year. Oh, and yeah. our theme for this one is kind of similar to the theme we had for the very first one, or at least partially, where we had Octoling and Tom Nook, who would be semi-clone slash echo-type characters. And that's the entirety of the theme of our next uh, Smash or Dash, featuring Piston Hondo versus Glass Joe and Funky Kong versus Chunky Kong. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Good old times. It is indeed. But unfortunately, the good times for today must end all right happy days bye a power